So one day a young mother explained to her a five-year-old daughter that if she chose to disobey one more time, that she would have to live with the consequences. Oh, mommy, the little girl said with a terrified look on her face, please don't make me uh, go with the consequences. I, I don't want to go with them. I just want to live here with you. A little, little did she know, this young girl, but we all have to live with the consequences in life, don't we? In fact, daily, you and I live in a world where we all have to live with the consequences of the choices and the decisions uh, that we make from day to day. And sometimes we even live with the consequences of other people's actions. Like someone else does something and I'm left to deal with the repercussions of their actions. Many times those consequences are not exactly what we would want them to be. Well, whether through our own poor choices or, or through no fault of our own, we all live with the consequences. See, no one escapes the fierce tides of failure, the attacks of adversity, uh, the discouragement that comes from debilitating dilemmas. In fact, we all face trials and we all face challenges in this life. Often we find ourselves pressed underneath, underneath the weight of, of the severity of different situations. Listen, this morning, if you've ever felt loneliness, if you have ever faced disappointment in your life, if you have ever dealt with failure because of the poor choices that you have made in some cases or the challenges that you face because of others, you, you need God's intervention in your life. This psalm is for you. That's exactly where we find David in this Holy Spirit-inspired poem this morning. I want to look at this psalm together. Again, go to Psalm 3. David begins in verse 1 by saying, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord is watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, O God. Slap all of my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Some of you could relate with some of those words. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Some of you may, may know that, that many of the, the psalms were actually written by King David and they were literally song lyrics or poems that were inspired by God. The book of Psalms was essentially a, a hymn book, a hymnal for ancient Israel, and many of them continue to be used today by followers of Christ in praise and in choruses and in modern worship songs. But part of what makes these lyrics such moving songs of worship is that they really tug at our heartstrings. 
frequently reflecting on the problems and the pressures of trying to live the way God wants us to live and the heartaches that we sometimes encounter on this journey called life. In this psalm in particular, David identifies a four stages that a person of faith will often go through in dealing with sin, in dealing with guilt, in dealing with hardship. In other words, the consequences of life. But here in Psalm 3, we also discover how to overcome. The first of those, the first of those stages is despair. Say despair. despair. One more time, say despair. Listen, the background of the psalm is somewhat complicated, complicated, but very, very important. See, David's problems began when he slept with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. This act of adultery led to an even more despicable act on David's behalf. See, in order to cover up his sin, David had Uriah killed. So adultery led to murder. Listen, from this point forward, David had to live with the consequences of his sin, right? Fast forward several years, we hear that one of David's sons, Amnon, became a bit too enamored with his half-sister Tamar, and now unable to control his lust, he raped her. Of course, this enraged Tamar's full brother, Absalom, who, who sought revenge and got it by killing Amnon. When David learned about both crimes, the rape and the murder, instead of dealing, say instead, instead of dealing with it in a righteous and a just manner, he basically ignored the whole situation. Why? This is important. Because David, of course, had already committed basically the same crimes. Remember, he once lost control of his urges and also ended up killing an innocent man. As a result, David had lost the moral authority to deal effectively with his sons. In time, Absalom, he became very defiant. He even thought that he was a morally superior and a worthier leader than his father. And so he actually mounted a rebellion against King David. And it was a rebellion that caught David so much so by surprise that the Bible says that the King David fled barefoot and weeping. It's in that context that King David wrote Psalm 3. See, essentially, David brought all of his problems on, his, on himself, and that's why it says in verses 1 and 2, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, and so many are saying God will surely never rescue him. I want you to think for a moment about the shame that David must have felt. By attacking and uh, a bit, by, by being attacked and hunted down by his own son. See, David was reaping the consequences of, of the bad choices that he had made. Once known as the man after God's own heart, David's life is now characterized by failure, by loneliness, by disappointment, by agony. And if you've ever felt any of those things in your life, you might be able to sympathize just a little bit. See, we all make mistakes, don't we? We all do things that at times come back to bite us, even haunt us. Now, even if the struggles you're facing at the moment are not the result of your, of your own failures or your own sins, 
you still might be able to understand the despair that David might have felt. See, David was dealing with the rising tide of disloyalty. He was about ready to give up all hope. And that really sounds like despair, doesn't it? In fact, Viktor Frankl once described the dangers of despair while interred in a Nazi camp, a Nazi death camp. He said, the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was absolutely doomed. Ernest Hemingway once summarized his despair by saying, I lived in a vacuum that is as lonely as a radio tube when the batteries are dead and there is no current to plug into. Lonely alone, feeling hopeless. Most of, most of us understand all too well what it is at time to feel overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? Anybody ever feel lonely? Anybody ever faced with the facts of your own failures and your own decisions? You know, you know as it, we've all been there where we feel like everyone and everything maybe even in those moments is against us and that's exactly how David felt. But if that's how you feel right now, don't despair. You see, as down and out as David was, he, he believed with every single fiber of his being that God was with him in that season. We say that he, God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. David felt that way. Leads us to the second stage in approaching adversity, which is desire. Say desire. You can't stay in despair. You've got to move on to desire. So hard-pressed by opposition and imminent danger, David confesses his desire for God's intervention by crying out to God for help. David says in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are the glory of the one that holds my head high. David's head may have been bowed low for a moment, with shame and uh, in the face of this despair, but he also knew that he could lift his head. David had made a mess out of his life, but he knew exactly where to turn. Remember, as a warrior, David was familiar with the protection of a shield against swords and, and against arrows of his enemy, and now his heart's desire, his heart's cry, was that God would be his shield. In one of the most difficult seasons of his life, King David knew that God would hear his prayers. And you can, you can hear his resolve in verse 4. Go there. Verse 4 where it says, I cried out to the Lord and he did what? He answered me from his holy mountain. And listen, what is true for David this morning is true for you when your life is in shambles and it feels like every single thing is falling apart around you or when you've messed up and you feel like you've got nowhere else to turn, you can turn to Jesus. He's the glory and the lifter of your head too. Someone once said, when life knocks you to your knees, that's the best position in which to pray. So God will hear you when you cry out to him and he will answer. That's a promise. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, say anything, 
If we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. That's amazing. God actually wants to hear our prayers. So as long as what we're asking for doesn't contradict with the purposes and the plan of God, God is overjoyed to answer your petition. God is overjoyed to answer your request. That's the God we serve. He's the father that we can run to in our times and our seasons of despair. Listen, part of the problem is that as followers of Christ, we, we don't ever bother to ask. In fact, we let prayer turn into some kind of emergency measure like, I've tried everything else, so I guess now I'll pray. So often we, we only talk to God about life when we have a problem, and even then we allow the problem to fester and, and grow a little bit first because we think we got it. We think we can handle it. We think it, it, it's okay. I can do this. Bible says apart from him we can do nothing instead of of real instead real prayer ought to be a part of our constant fellowship with the heavenly father prayer should connect us uh, with our worship to him remember the bible says in philippians 4 6 don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he has done so don't don't just pray about some things, big things, bad things, sad things. Pray about everything. Pray about everything in communion with your heavenly Father and thank Him every single day for what He's already done. The great reformer Martin Luther was a man of prayer. He once wrote a 40-page letter to his brother, Peter Beskendorf, who asked him how to pray. And no, I'm not going to read all 40 pages to you this morning. But here's a little excerpt of, of what he wrote. He said, guard yourself against such false and deceitful thoughts that keep whispering to you like, wait a while. In an hour or so, I will pray. I must first finish this or that. Thinking such thoughts, he said, we get away from prayer with other things that will hold us and involve us till prayer of the day comes to naught. And so it is a good thing to let prayer be the first business in the morning and the last thing in the evening. Martin Luther, he had it down. He knew what he needed to do. Wonderful advice, wise words from a man who knew exactly what he was talking about. See, according to a poll reported in USA Today, 9 out of 10 adults in America say that they pray today. And that listen, that's surprising. That's wonderful. That's encouraging. But let me make sure that you're one of them praying every day and make sure that you're praying to the Father in the name of the Son. Amen? Because people could say they're praying, but they're praying to Allah. And they're praying to this and they're praying to make sure that you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Amen. After dealing with our despair and expressing our desires through prayer that we need God. The third stage in dealing with difficulty is dependence. Dependence. Say, say dependence. One more time. Say dependence. As we encounter the various trials of life, we all feel the, that initial despair as David did. But once we've expressed our, our desire for God's help, we must also trust that God is in control and depend on him to take care of it. 
Do you depend on God today? See, unfortunately, many of us have a tendency to lay our troubles at the throne of Jesus in the morning, or how I like to say, at the foot of the cross. We lay them down in the morning, and then we go back and pick them up later in the afternoon. David demonstrates amazing surrender and dependence on God in this psalm. Think about it. He was barefoot, on the run, in the desert being hunted down by his own son, ready to usurp his throne. And yet after crying out to Yahweh, David makes a declaration in verse 5. He says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. That's faith. I don't know about you, but I've been in that place where uh, dealing with uh, all kinds of things and I can't sleep. Some of you can say that, that, that would be me, Pastor Freddie. I, but here David says, I laid down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord which was watching over, over me. Don't forget the context. His son is looking out for him with an army to kill him. That's what it means to trust in God, to truly depend on Him and know that everything is going to work out. No matter what conflicts lay ahead of him, David didn't lose sleep over it. I say, God, help us with that. That when we depend on God to make a way, that we'll be able to sleep. In fact, David goes one step further in verse 6 by, he actually speaks in faith when he says in verse 6, I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Again, that's the context. We're not talking about just his son. We're not talking about just a handful of people. Thousands who surround him on every side. And yet he was able to sleep and trust that God was going to watch over him. That's dependence. This actually reminds me of Mark 4 when Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on a pillow in the middle of a terrible rainstorm. By sleeping during the storm, Jesus was actually modeling for you and for I what it's like to have total dependence on the Father for our safety and our security. In that moment, Jesus seemed to demonstrate a level of faith and trust that is not interrupted by what is going on in the world around us. And I know what you're saying. You're saying that's Jesus. Of course he was dependent. Of course he could trust. But David right here in Psalm 3 was doing the same exact thing. It's, it's the same kind of faith that you and I need today. Wouldn't you like to lay your head down and fall asleep secure in the knowledge of your Savior that God is in control and nothing is to be afraid of? There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to lose sleep over. But that kind of trust and reliance doesn't come naturally. We have to learn to let go and let God. We have to learn to let go and let God take care of it. We have to surrender our doubts and our fears every single day uh, as we go through some rough seasons, some rough waters. This is the kind of lesson that we can only learn through practice. And, and so if you really think about it, as you look back over your life, even in the bleakest of moments, God was able to work things out for your good because of his perfect timing. His perfect timing is right because it didn't happen when I wanted it to happen, maybe. 
It took a long time. It took a while. I didn't like that, Pastor Freddie, but God's timing is perfect, isn't it? Listen, it, it may not look like you wanted it to at the end of the day, and you may still not understand why everything happened the way that it did, but God is sovereign, and he worked it all out. And so if you're, middle, if you're in the middle of something right now, you can trust that he's going to work that out too. In fact, your dependence on God will see you through any season that you might face. A.W. Tozer once said, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we even lack? Once we've learned to depend on God to care for us, the final stage that we're going to talk about in, in triumphing over our trials is deliverance. That's the part we always want to get to, right? We want to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. We want this thing that we're going through to end. We, Pastor Freddie, if you would just pray that it would end, that I would receive my deliverance, that I would be delivered from this uh, season, from this thing that I'm going through. And, and of course, it's, it's the desired outcome. But you can't shortcut the process. I've said this before in your season of despair. Uh, God is doing a work in your heart. He's reminding you of his goodness. He's developing some traits in your life that you're going to need down the road. Deliverance. Say deliverance. Finally, David brings everything into perspective. The marauding soldiers of his son, the lack of food or shelter, even the throne of Israel meant nothing in light of God's infinite grace and power. In verses 7 and 8, David announces, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all of my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Listen, that, I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of rough to me. I'm, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, that, that slap all your enemies in the face line, that sounds really good to me. When people have crossed the line from ignorance and are just being just mean and nasty. Like, God, just, just slap them in the face already. They need to be smacked down. I know I've been the only one that's ever been there. I know, I know. You're, you're, you look so surprised. You... Seriously, God handles judgment way better than we do, so just let him deliver you his way. Trust me, he can handle it. In the New King James Version, verse 8 is translated, salvation belongs to the Lord. In the New Living Translation, it says, victory comes from Him. But the word translated victory or salvation is actually a Hebrew word, ha-yeshua. Ha-yeshua. That sound familiar to anyone, at least part of it? Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of Jesus. And so quite literally, there is victory in Jesus, Ha-Yeshua. There is salvation in his name, Ha-Yeshua. Listen, our, our heavenly father can absolutely deliver you from whatever consequence you're facing. He is able, he's strong enough, he sees you and he cares for you. Salvation and victory come from our God. Worship team, come. Listen, David's imagery of God knocking the teeth out of his enemies. So, so slap them, knock the teeth out of them. 
It, it might sound a little bit extreme, I'm not going to lie, but sometimes with certain people. And yet it reminds me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, where he says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Slap Satan in the face. Knock Satan's teeth out. Humanity's greatest enemies have always been sin and death. But then Jesus came along. He died on the cross for our sins. He knocked the teeth out of them both. They no longer have the bite they once had. You can be set free from sin. And death, death has no victory anymore for the follower of Christ. See, we get to live forever and ever and ever. Because of Jesus, we have the final victory. There's nothing in this world that can push us down or hold us back as long as we have Jesus because our deliverance and our victory is found in Him. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all, all sin and fall short of God's glory. Most of the time, we have to live with the consequences of our sins and our failures. But failure is not the last word. Listen, failure is not the last word. Our problems are not the last word. Loneliness is not the last word. Guilt and shame are not the last word because salvation belongs to the Lord. There is victory, oh victory, in Jesus. In Jesus, we can overcome. We can overcome the consequences of life. When sin rears its ugly head and maybe you've made a mess of your life, or when you're, you're living with the consequences, you might despair at first, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. Mourn. Be angry and sad if you must. But then express your desire for God's mercy. Express your desire for God's grace and depend on Jesus to see you through. Once you do, you're going to see that Christ is our deliverer. He is your shield. He is your glory. He is your hope. God will make a way for you. Again, if you're in, in the middle of any kind of a mess right now, don't despair. Turn your troubles over to Jesus and trust in Him to save you. No matter what your situation is, the Father invites you to experience victory in His Son, Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray. I know... I know for a fact that there are those that, that are dealing with the uh, consequences because of what someone else has done to you in your life. Or maybe you're in a season right now where you are reaping the consequences of your choices and your actions. But you don't have to stay in that season of despair. You don't have to feel like it's going to hang over you forever and ever. Just as you made one choice, you can make another. Let's make a choice for Jesus. Amen. Let's make a choice knowing that He can deliver us, knowing that we can depend on Him, knowing that He can be our help 
in time of trouble. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you have already done. We know, Lord, that you are present here this morning. We know, God, that there are those that face troubles and difficulties, uh, those that might even feel like they are hopeless this morning. But, God, you are the God of hope. God, you are the God of salvation. You are the God of deliverance. You are able, Lord, to take us through this season. You are able to give us a new beginning. You are able to give us a new start. Oh, God, we thank you for the ability to overcome. We overcome in the name of Jesus. We overcome by the power of God. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you do. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. Let's, let's finish up with, with worship.